I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to another Smash on Screen, a little podcast where we talk about a film that's just come out. I should say up front, it's going to be a spoiler-esque, spoiler-esque, spoilerific <laughs> discussion about Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, colon, part one. And joining me to accept this particular mission is Chris Hewitt. Hello, John. Hello. Great to have you back. I've come in hot there with a with a Hello. You have, you have, and I should, I should say, as always, if you give any bad takes, I'll be forced to disavow any knowledge of your actions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, can we make this quick? I've got a train to catch. Yeah. Literally, I've got a train to catch. I've got to, I've got to fly onto a train. Ah, oh, first of all, I should say, bloody good, isn't it? It is bloody good. It is yeah. bloody good. You know what's interesting is that I've actually seen some dissenters on social media in the last mm. couple of days. People who are. Uh, even daring to venture in the opinion that this is not a, a, a good Mission Impossible movie. I think it's a great Mission Impossible movie. It's a great movie. Mission Impossible movie. It's not my favourite, but it's very close. Yeah, it's in the top seven. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the, what I would say is it's the most James Bond Mission Impossible yet. It is. It yeah. is. Although, I was going to say without the sex, but without, you know. Yeah, there's, there's sex with eyes. <laughs> this is eye sex, definitely. But you've got There's a lot of eye fucking going on. There is. You, it's basically a bit of for your eyes only because you've got the sub sinking at the beginning. You've got the silly little yellow car, and um, that, that's it. But that's it. No, that's it, it. It, it, it's, it's the most. It's the most Mission Impossible film that feels like a Bond film, and that as a Bond fan coming out of this, it makes me even more sad that Bond can't do this anymore. 
Yes, absolutely. I, I, I honestly, I don't know, and I, I've, I've, I've held my tongue a little bit on social media when I've seen a couple of people, contrarians, mm. uh, trying to swim against the, the current, uh, because you know the overwhelming uh, critical consensus is, and not just critical from people on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, you know, scum, the scum who use Twitter, John, <laughs> yeah. and scum. Uh, is is that this is a, a a great film, one of the best blockbusters uh, since Mission Impossible Fallout. But there are some people who are going, oh, it's not as good. It's the last one. Yeah, there's a that's a very very that's an argument you can absolutely have. You mm. can have an argument that it's not as good as, as Fallout. Um, but I honestly don't know what they want from a film no. if they can look at this movie and come away feeling a little bit dissatisfied. I mean, it has action sequences that are absolutely incredible. It's got great character work. It's tense. It's all hell. Mm. You know, I, I knew going into this, and we all did, that there was a Dead Reckoning Part Two to come, and yet I was still on tenterhooks uh, in the in the pretty much the entirety of the train sequence. It's it's yes, astonishing stuff. It ast- I mean, I took someone along to this who is got um, an aversion to films over a certain length, so wasn't looking forward to it. <laughs> but during the train sequence, I was looking over, and they were literally like gripping onto the seat because it was so tense and then afterwards just said it didn't feel like i mean it is like a two hour 40 minute film but it didn't feel like it at yeah. all yeah it's the longest mission by, by i would say by some distance but mm. i think about, about 20 minutes or so and i'd have happily um, watched, and it doesn't feel it i'd have happily watched part two like immediately Yes, I mean, I think they've only finished 30% of it, but I'd, I'd happily watch that 30%. What they should have done is they should have done a Back to the Future mm-hmm. Part 3 style trailer. So, you know, whenever Back to the Future Part 2 ended in cinemas. I think that's, I think it's still the case if you watch it on DVD. Yes. Uh, you know, it, comes up with, it came up with a trailer immediately for Back to the Future Part 3. I, I remember that, and I remember being so incredibly excited. Yeah, and and still am every time it pops up. They should have done this. Oh, at the it's end. so good. Phelps, Mister Phelps, should have sent um, Ethan a letter saying that he's trapped in Wild West <laughs> and he was making a living as a blacksmith. So the explosion in the Euro Tunnel at the end of the first movie yeah. propelled Jim Phelps back in time. That's right. Don't come and, and rescue has... me. I'm having a lovely time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm having a lovely time being all right wing. Because he could probably, <laughs> he could, he could probably use his IMF abilities to become mm. some sort of god in yeah. the 1800s. I would Imagine. say Jim Phelps. Ah, oh, but talking of Jim Phelps, we've got um, <laughs> Kindrich back. Kittridge. Kittridge, sorry, not Kindrich, uh, which is a very welcome addition. Yes, yes, I I was so excited about this. Uh, the return of my boy Kittridge, mm-hmm. uh, Henry Sherney, yes, uh, back flying the ointment, a Spaniard in the works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I love him. I I think he's tremendous. And um, you know, it's interesting. This is a film about Ethan Hunt's past, and there'll be, I think that'll be further explored in in part two. But to have Kittridge there as the representation of the first film. And fairness, he's pretty much the only one that you could bring in from the first film because most of them are dead. Yeah. Um, you know, both in terms of their careers and, and, yeah. <laughs> and of course, being actually physically dead in the, in the universe of the movies. Uh, yes. But I've, I've been agitating, nay, campaigning for a Kittridge return for some time. Yeah. And it was very, 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 very heartened to see that uh, Macquarie finally answered, not just my calls, John, but the, the calls of, of dozens of us. Oh, um, yeah. I love, love, love the scene where he's giving the briefing. Well, he's, there's a room, have, K- Kerry Eels is getting that briefing. From Mark yes. Gatiss and lots of other people, even Rob Delaney. Rob Delaney. Yeah. Yeah. 
and the scene where it's briefly shown in the trailer but it's such a mission impossible shot where the person who turns out to be Ethan Hunt throws up those little gas balls into the air mm. ah, it's yeah. such a good scene it's such a good scene I, I'll, I'll be honest when I saw the trailer hmm. uh, I thought that that character was Shea Wiggum's character yes. because he looks a lot like Shea Wiggum when he has the little glasses on and I don't actually know the actor's name um, who plays that that steely-eyed guy mm. who, who I honestly genuinely think the first time you watch that movie you know because they're talking about the AI they're talking about what this AI entity can do mm. I think we're meant to think that it might be a robot that we yeah. actually might be going full on full tilt into sci-fi mm. you know but I thought it was Shea Wiggum and then you know obviously it turns out to be just an actor and he was that moment is so good and the, also the moment where um, where Kittredge is talking to to Ethan and he's saying oh how are you going to get out of here everyone's on their way and he turns around and Ethan's put on a Kittredge mask and Henry Sherney's kind of little shrug of oh yeah of course before he gets shot in the shot in the neck with a with a poison dart and then we cut to the credits not a poison dart he doesn't kill him but no, you know uh, yeah he should he should I think Ethan Hunt should kill everyone I think he should dressing as murder everyone being, he meets Yes, and then run that's just while me dragging being full. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, I tell you another thing. Um, Lorne Balf. Is it Balf? Yes. Balf? Lorne Balf? Balf. Balf. Lorne Balf. Um, is he from the sort of Hans Zimmer school of composers? I, I believe so, but yeah. I think he's even more ubiquitous than Hans Zimmer. Yeah, uh, he is. Yes, he and not. he's very, very good. Very good. I have the first to say. time I noticed like, him was the Lego movie, I think. Yes. And, yes. Um, oh, he's he's all about. Uh, he just gets the brief on this. It's his scores in these films are so bombastic. Yes, and, and they're so great. And he and he leans into the melodies and he leans into that theme tune, which is possibly the greatest theme tune of all time. But he also leans into the B theme tune, which didn't get used a lot in the old films. The yeah. Yes, oh, it's called the plot, I believe. Ah, oh, is it that that actual theme tune? That 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 secondary theme tune. The uh, the um. Um, oh, I've completely blanked on the guy who wrote the uh, and uh, not Lalo Enzo, 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 Enzo Ferrari. Yeah, Enzo wrote, Ferrari wrote it. Lalo Schifrin. Yes. Yeah, he drove Lalo Schifrin to work every day. <laughs> he said, "Hop aboard! We've got to make a great music." <laughs> well, that is he racist. Said, it's not. It's no, not. He was voiced by Chris Pratt. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine. If anything, I was too accurate with my uh, with my impression there. Now, my my only sadness about this film is that my yeah. my beloved Rebecca Ferguson isn't in it as much as I like. Yeah, and very definitively as yeah. well. Yeah, I'm guessing she was duning, maybe. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I I have spoken to Macquarie about this because um, uh, we. I don't know whether people listening to this know, but mm. we it has become something of a tradition, tradition on yeah. Mission Movies that he and I sit down on the Empire Podcast Spoiler Specials and we talk for a long time mm. about these movies. And um, so we talked for nearly three hours on Rogue Nation mm. and then we talked for nearly six hours six. on Fallout. And John, I'm not going to lie to you, we've talked for six hours already on Dead Reckoning Part 1 wow. and... We're only halfway through. So, uh, so he's, not to... Because I don't want to spoil your spoiler special. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to spoil the spoiler special, but yeah. I will say we, we tackle it. We do, we do tackle everything. Is, there, is there a couple of bullet points you can give us from the man himself? Uh, bullet points are that he felt it was uh, necessary, that he felt that... 
I, I do wonder, I didn't actually ask him, and I will ask him next time I see him, mm. whether there was a scheduling thing with Rebecca Ferguson. But my understanding is that this is something that was planned okay. anyway, that literally the first thing that they were going to shoot, or the first thing they shot... Yeah, no, actually, no, one of the first things they were going to shoot before production shut down in February 2020 hmm. was going to be the fight scene hmm. on the bridge. But that fight scene was actually then going to be with Nicholas Holt uh, ah. and not with uh, Isai Morales, who ended up playing the bad guy. So it was originally uh, Nicholas Holt? It was originally Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt was cast as the bad guy, which, wow. you know, again, this is something Macquarie talks an awful lot about in the in the piece, um, in the spoiler special, uh, in that the way he casts these movies is, you know, you would almost feel counterintuitive in a way that, in that he, he finds an actor that he wants to work with and then builds the character around them. Right. And so he wanted to work with Nick, Nick Holt, cast Nick Holt, knew he was going to be the bad guy. I'm getting the sense he was going to be a more... Uh, a, a, a bit of more of a physical match for Ethan than mm. Issa Morales is, even though you know they are roughly the same build. But obviously, he's much much younger than Isai is. Mm. So I think that from then that what the movie wasn't going to go into Ethan Hunt's past in the same way. That's my that's my understanding. I'm trying not to give away too much, but uh, but certainly mm. I, th- I think that the the death of Ilsa Faust was on the table right from the off. Okay, I mean, I mean I'm pleased they I think did he that. Felt necessary. Yeah, I'm not pleased they well, killed her, but I'm pleased that they went with Isa Morales because I think he's a fantastic bad guy. Well, he is someone, actually, I think, if you're talking about people's reactions to it and how it hasn't been uniformly positive, as it was with, with Rogue Nation, it certainly was with Fallout. Hmm. Uh, I think he's one of the, the characters who is defining opinion because I've seen people go, he's a terrible villain, he's not effective, he's barely on screen, we don't really know that much about him. I like him. I think oh, he's. I, really I like think him. he's good. I think that sort of inscrutability of the character is is really interesting. And I love. I, I wasn't too sure initially. I've seen it a couple of times now, but I wasn't too sure about his final moment in the movie. First time I watched it, <laughs> where he literally, in a sort of very cartoonish way, yells the hero's name in frustration. Yeah. Yeah. He goes Ethan. Mm. But I kind of love it now. I, really I think it's. It. Yeah, it's really fun, and I'm looking forward to seeing where they take that character. He's got a bit of a kind of Orson Welles quality, and the, the the dialogue is just anything he says, you're immediately gripped to it, because he's got this beautiful voice. I just really <laughs> like does, that. He does, doesn't though. he? Yeah. He I does, really and he's, he's mysterious. And you've also of course, you got, could argue he's not mm, the main bad guy, John. You could argue that say. the main bad guy is something else. It's the ghost that touched Barbara Hershey's breasts. <laughs> Which, you know, I'm a bit disappointed about because they keep bringing back things from old films. And out of all the things they could bring back from the past for this film, they brought back a ghost that sexually harasses a woman. It's disgusting. It's, it's not good. It's not good. So we should, we should cancel the entity immediately. <laughs> if you're going to bring back something from a 1970s horror film, bring back the Sentinel, if anything. But That's not right. bring, back, bring back the killer worms from Squirm. Don't bring back the entity. Bring back Orca. <laughs> don't bring back a ghost that in its very nature is problematic <laughs> no I really it's a yeah. really good idea having AI as like the pure villain and it's a bit Skynet but the way they do it differentiates differentiates it enough that it yeah. doesn't bring that up too much yeah and I also I think that it's it's incredibly timely given that this is something that they've been working on for two or three years and they've just lately landed slap bang in the middle of the zeitgeist with this thing. Mm. And I I knew very little about this going in. Um 
you know, I've, I've spoken to Macquarie a lot for the magazine mm. over the last two, three years or so, you know, checking in with them every now and again for the magazine, you know, on the, on the film. And I, I knew certain things about it, uh, but I didn't, I didn't know the broad strokes I plot. Did, I did hear that you... I didn't you, want to. No, I mean, I did hear that you greeted him on your last interview by saying, AI, Chris, and then he went, oh, <laughs> and he wrote that down. <laughs> and that was the villain for the next film. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that's exactly it. I'm looking forward to the check. <laughs> John, um, I've got to tell this joke. I've told this joke before, but what's the Scouser's favourite Steven Spielberg film? I know, I know. Go on. AI! <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Thank you. That's very good. <laughs> I thought you were going to anyway. say, <clears throat> Close Encounters of a Third Kind. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's incredibly strange creatures just stopped living and became mixed up zombies. <laughs> That's Jamie Carragher's review there. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be, yeah. Spitting at them as they play the keyboard at the end. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Um yeah, so Cruz himself. I mean yes. my only gripe and don't tell Macquarie this, my only gripe with this and the last one actually, is that you've yep. got two breathtaking practical stunts happen. And yeah. they get a bit muddied by a bit of CG. Interesting. Because Fallout, you had this incredible halo jump thing. But mm-hmm. when it happens, mm-hmm. it's in a cloud of fake clouds and thunder and lightning. Oh, I see. And yeah, this yeah. one, you've got the motorbike, yeah. which obviously they they couldn't leave the ramp there. That would have looked quite stupid. Yes. But the CG's a bit <laughs> claggy. And when he actually does do the jump, again, I think they've put some clouds in. You think? I think, yeah, because it doesn't look. I don't know. I'd have to compare them. I, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't spoken to him specifically about that moment yet. Uh, mm. We've spoken to him about where the moment came from and the motivations behind it. And mm. you know, essentially, Macquarie went into this film. Uh, Macquarie and Cruz went into this film knowing they wanted to do two things. Cruz wanted to drive a bike off a cliff mm. and do that that parachute stunt, and Macquarie wanted to crash a train. And then Ma- they built the film around that. Oh, do you think sometimes Macquarie gets a call from Cruz and Cruz just goes? He goes, how are you? And he's like, I really want to drive a motorbike off a cliff. And he might be like, do you want to ring Samaritans or something? No, no, no. I mean, as a stunt for the next film. Oh. It's a a good way of recovering, isn't it? You know, if you're you're being really, really confessional with a friend. And you go, oh, no, no, as a stunt. I meant as a stunt. Oh, okay. All right. I want to cling to the side of a plane as it takes off. Oh, Jesus, really? Yeah, but but as a stunt. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. The train sequence, though, my fucking lord, it's probably some of the best action I've seen for well, probably since Fallout. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. I, th- I thought the whole thing was terrific, oh. to be honest with you. I mean, I thought that the the because I, you know, I knew that there was an element, obviously, in the train sequence. I knew there was lots of skullduggery going on, and I didn't know that it was going to be that sort of. I was going to say uncharted type. Hmm. shenanigans but Macquarie has I think said on threads that he doesn't really know video games so hmm. that you know that was just coincidental but that 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 sequence where the, the train carriages start falling over one by one and oh. you know Ethan and Grace have to fight their way up through the carriage and something that goes all Poseidon adventure as well it's just yeah, a bit of zero incredible gravity. bit of zero G yeah I was, one, I was wondering and, and this uh, sounds stupid but do you remember in the lead up to them announcing them that this film was going to happen. There were rumours yeah. that they were going to do a scene in one of those vomit comets. 
Yes. And I'm wondering yes. if maybe that's a bit of that, because there's literally a bit in this where everything's floating and they're floating as well. Yes, I know. I have uh, again. I don't know what we talked about for six hours, but uh, we, we we didn't talk about that yet. But that's kind of what part two is going to be, where we actually get into the nitty gritty of mm. filming these action sequences and the challenges of it. You don't think uh, he used an AI? Once told me that. Uh, I think he was. I think mm. the whole thing was directed. You, you, you know, as as I frequently say, you can't spell Macquarie without AI, John. It's so right, draw true. from that your own conclusions. Wow, there was a bit of this where Tom Cruise turns to look at the camera and he's got like what really wonky eye and face. Because of the AI. Like the beginning of um, Secret Invasion. Everyone was green. Yes, that's exactly that. Although that would explain how Simon Pegg looks in this film. But, oh! Um, oh, come on now. Low come blow. on now. Um, low blow. Never low blow. So, so Hayley Atwell's going to be the person going forwards, we imagine. The yeah, next, I think so. IMF I think um, member. Yeah, and I quite I quite like that. I was I was I I got into a little debate with someone on Twitter last night. I, mm. You know, someone I I follow, who said it was they thought the film was very disappointing and that the Haley Atwell character made no sense. And I actually really like mm. Grace in this movie. I think it's something we haven't seen before. We've never really seen someone kind of get inducted into the IMF. No. And thematically, it all makes sense for me. There's that speech early on mm. where. You know, you get the guy from used to be in these standards, whose name, John, I'm going to blow your mind. Mm. The the kid who delivers in in the Amsterdam scene, the mm. kid who you know who joins the IMF, and you know he's basically delivering something to Ethan, uh, a nice a nice lamb lamb sag to Ethan, mm. um, in Amsterdam. His name is Alex James Phelps. Wow, how about that? A Jim. Phelps. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. So mind blown. I was going to ask you about that. Do you do you get recruited into IMF if you successfully deliver a pizza? <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty low. It's pretty low requirement. <laughs> Let the dominoes fall where they may. Oh, uh, that's that's even Hans' recruitment policy right there. But um, but you know, it's all there from the off. Like we get to hear the oath that IMF agents hmm. take whenever they, they join the IMF, you know, a lot of stuff about, you know, we we hide in the shadows and we fight for those we, we we hold close and those we'll never meet. And, you know, we get to see someone actually going on a journey from kind of being completely and utterly disconnected from that world and then emotionally brought into the world of the IMF and then at the end of it, you know, saying what she says to Kittredge at the end, hmm. you know, I, I would be surprised if she's not part of the IMF team in the next movie. Yeah. Um, I think some people, I don't think we've talked enough really about the, the Ilsa Faust thing, because I think when I saw the movie for the first time, I thought some people are going to have a problem with this and they're going to have a problem with a character that's beloved meeting her end in mm. this way. And there will be accusations of fridging going around um, mm. that Macquarie, I, I'm sure can more than adequately meet. Yeah. Um, but but it's you know it's 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 I guess it's hard not to see almost one in one out policy in a way. But I don't think the Grace serves the same function as as Ilsa. I don't think I don't think that relationship's the same. You know, you can read into the Ilsa Ethan thing a love story. Um, I'm not sure that's where they're going with with Grace. No. I think they're going somewhere else. Um, but you know, I think. Ultimately, I think Grace will work in the next film, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's obviously sad about Ilsa. And we need to find out where Ving Rhames has gone, because he said he's going to go and lock himself in a room with a computer. <laughs> and to me, if I was going on a big mission and one of my mates was like, right, I'm going to go and lock myself in a room with my laptop, I'd be like, you're not. You're not. That's disgusting. You should be helping. He's going to a shed. He's going yeah. to a shed. 
Do you think he's got like a podcast or something? <laughs> yeah, I think he has. I think he has. It's, it's basically just, yeah, Luther's knocking one off in the shed. Uh, <laughs> Ethan, I'm helping. You're not. I can hear you. Turn your mic off. <laughs> he's found some porn that even the entity can't erase. <laughs> he's got analogue. He's just got a big stack of razzles. Yeah. <laughs> and he's basically digitising them. Yeah. So he can, he can sit with his iPad. Love that for him. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's also a, a sort of extension on the same joke from Fallout, but done much mm-hmm. in a much more extreme way with Benji directing him. And in Fallout, it was yes. having to go through a window and over a roof, but this time it's over a giant fucking cliff on a motorbike. Yes, yes. I guess that, that solves the, the mystery, isn't it, of how you have two tech guys in the in the same team, and mm. you have one guy who's the older, the elder statesman who mm. sits in the shed and has a wank, and then you have <laughs> Benji, who whose mission, whose job it is to tell Ethan where to go, mm. uh, whilst not having a wank. Although John, he if, could he was that that car was self driving, so you could. You could get over, pulled over by the police or anything. Like, I'm not even <laughs> well, driving. Chance would be a fine thing. <laughs> <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> what have we done to my lovely film? <laughs> uh, we've smirched part of it, John. That's what we, we've done. We have. What did you think of the clues on the bomb? Do you think they were a bit. The clues on the bomb? Clues on the bomb in the airport. I liked the riddles. it. I liked it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. It, it gives the entity a bit more purpose, doesn't it? Yeah. A bit more of a nefarious personality that he's literally, not literally fucking with them. That would be a different movie entirely. But um, but he's, he's, he's targeting each member of the IMF. Yeah. Uh, the thing I really liked mm. in terms of the entity was the bit where he, they're in Venice and they're trying to tell Ethan where oh, yeah. Grace has gone. And mm. he, and the entity comes in and takes over and takes over their comms and pretends to be Benji and gives them false information. I mean, we're, you know, 
we want to get highfalutin about it. We're all talking about deep fakes and how information's being manipulated these days and how AI could be the worst thing that happens uh, to everybody, uh, ultimately. I'm yeah. almost certain I'm going to lose my job to it at some point in the next mm. three months. But, um, yeah, uh, that that was uh, a particularly gnarly moment. Yeah, and then he meets um, Pom Clementif. Pom Clementif. Pom, Pom Clementif. I'm here. I'm John. I am your Mission Impossible cast pronunciation guru. Uh, but you oh. helped me because I forgot completely who Enzo Ferrari was. Exactly. Sorry, not Enzo Ferrari. Lara Sheffron. Even yeah. I can't say it now. Yes. Um, she's very good at this. She's very good as a heavy, if you know what I mean. Even though she's not heavy. She is. Yeah. I thought she was. She was pretty terrifying. Yeah, especially with the old Sergeant Major's jacket on and the face paint. Is it cool? <laughs> and she she's uh she likes Ethan a bit because he spared her life in that alleyway. But really it's cause Ethan don't punch chicks, you know what I mean? No, but he does shoot them in the stomach, uh, which he did in, in Fallout. But mm. uh, you know, he was he's he aimed very, very carefully. Um yes, but he's a he's a good guy. He's a good mm. guy, John. He sees the good in her. He yeah. senses it. He senses it and uh spares her life. And he's playing the long game and it worked yeah. out for him it very totally nicely. It didn't work out. out for her, but worked yeah. out for him. No. Uh and Vanessa Kirby's back as the white widow. Now she's supposed yes. to be Max's daughter, isn't she? She is. I, I forgot she is that. that yeah. That has been confirmed. And was very much I think it was very much confirmed without ever really directly saying say it yeah. because Kittredge talks about it in, in, in this one. Yeah. Uh, but yes, she was meant to be. There was a scene, I think, in Fallout that made that explicit and then it was cut. Ah. Um, I think she, whenever she takes whenever she takes to the stage in Fallout, if I remember rightly, it was a longer scene and she was actually talking specifically about her mother, Max. Who was the and guy from Murder, She Wrote? No, not Murder, She Wrote. Yes. Heart to Heart. <laughs> when they got together, it was mine. <laughs> Yes, yeah. yes, uh, yeah, yeah, an unusual parental role model, but yeah. but one that worked. She's she's turned out nice again. Uh, I thought she was really good. I thought yeah. you know, she got given a lot more to do. And there's that nice bit of comedic business on the train where mm. she's pretending to be Haley Atwell, pretending to be her, and you know, there's there's a there's a bit more going on there. I thought it's also a bit kind of poetry, like it rhymes because it remind takes you back to the Eurostar from the first film. It does. All it needed was David Schneider fainting, and yeah. we had. We had the uh, the old bingo card full, so, but he John, in, let me ask you the, this. Yeah, go on. I'm going. I'm going to turn the tables on you. Mm. Did the, did the plot did the, did the plot work for you? Did the plot make sense? Did everything? Did all the were all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed for and you? The lowercase J's. All the um, lowercase J's. Uh, yes, it did. My only my only bugbears were twofold. One, actually threefold. I've mentioned one of them already. One, um, the word entity became that thing that you hear so much it starts being annoying. <laughs> but that goes with anything. If if someone had lost a kettle and they said kettle ten times in a film, you'd hate the word kettle. And two, I felt there was a bit of a... And you get this now, because all films now are literally like two and a half hours. That's it now. You always hmm. get a bit of a slump in the middle. And I think this one had a little bit of a slump when Faust died from there. But as soon as they got you know, to, into the third act, it was breathless. Like It was just did not stop for a second. So you can't really complain that much. You need a little bit of a pit stop anyway. Um, but that was my only bugbear. Yeah. Apart from that, I had a bloody amazing time. Yeah, it's it, yeah, same here, same here. Uh, I'm I'm fascinated by it, uh, by it all because because of the way they make these movies that they're basically making it up as they go. Yeah, uh, you know they're 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 doing the full the full indie and they're just winging it. 
and it's it's kind of incredible that something like this could be so fully formed i don't i don't see any huge plot holes i think there's a couple of little things with the entity and hmm. you know exactly what the importance is of the submarine and you know the the key and you know what there there's a couple of things that aren't still 100% clear to me but uh, mm. I'm, I'm going to see it again tonight I'm taking my wife ah. um, so I'm, I might leave back on to the clean feed breathless hoping oh. that you're still connected in oh. about uh, 12 hours time like, oh, oh, John be. I've yeah. seen it now I've seen the face of God and it all makes sense <laughs> I'm just really pleased that Christopher McQuarrie has entered this world because having sort of reviewed the older ones recently not professionally just watched a few um, mm. I think by the halfway point of Ghost Protocol, it's the whole thing's running out of steam, and they, you feel like Jeremy Renner's been brought in to be there when Cruz inevitably hangs up the hat. Because at that point, there was a lot of questions going around about is Tom Cruise finished? Because he'd had a couple of flops. Yeah. And then Macquarie came in, and you watch Rogue Nation, and you and I remember watching Rogue Nation and just being utterly blown away by it. The opera scene in particular. Mm. And I think it's just been an upward trajectory since then and while this yeah, isn't my favourite one it's probably shoulder to shoulder with the others I'd probably group them together as this trilogy that they've made together is just outstanding yeah I can't wait to see the, all three of them together if I block mm. out a block out a day um, mm. and watch all three of them together and yeah. see the progression uh, I think I think it'll you know because I think there is a clear progression uh, stylistically anyway mm. you know I, I'm, I'm I do think Fallout's probably the best of the three yeah I agree. But I, but I'm f- very, very excited about Dead Reckoning Part Two, and I've oh. got a sneaking suspicion that might be the best of the four. Um, I, I say that based on nothing other than Macquarie's own excitement about it. Oh. Every time I talk to him, yeah. he's basically said things like, "This one's good." I'm paraphrasing, but mm. wait till you see the next one. Um, so I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, and and if there is a drop off and Fallout, it's very, very small for Minimal, me. Minimal, yeah. Talk, mm. Talking millimeters, yeah. But it's interesting because he he, he came on with Ghost Protocol, so um, oh, did he? You know, he came on. Did he write the screenplay to that one? He he came on halfway through. He came oh. on very very late in production. So so his you know he's got this unique relationship with Cruz, and I think mm. the film wasn't was going off in a different direction. And I think the studio's intention certainly was that Renner would take over the franchise. Yeah. And I think I I read. I don't know if I've ever, ever talked to Macquarie about this. But I think I read recently that there was meant to be even a a kind of handing of the torch scene, mm. a passing of the torch scene. And I read somewhere that Cruz actually went, nope, not filming yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just not, I'm not filming that. Also, I think Renner and was contracted for another film. He was. Mm. He was. Macquarie does talk about that on the Fallout spoiler special, why he didn't mm. come back. I think there was there was some uh, personal um, things that Renner was going through. Of. He was I doing an album. Speculate. Um, yeah. He was doing an album, and uh, and I'm, you know, we ultimately were the winners because we yeah. got to listen to that album. Exactly. Um, um, but I think we'll probably leave it there. I think we've covered all bases yeah. of, a, of a, just after watching. Um, I, as, yeah. as we say, I, I, it's not my favorite, but it's Fallout's my favorite. But it's it's millimeters of this trilogy are all just so good. Where would you where would you put it? I mean, if I were to press you to do a mission ranking right now, John, oh, what would you, I did what would you do? On Twitter recently, so I'd do Fallout, then possibly right. this and Rogue Nation, like very close two and three. Yeah. Then one, I love one because it's De Palma and it's just beautiful to look at. Yeah. Then three, 
then Ghost Protocol, mm-hmm. then two. That's interesting. So three, then Ghost Protocol, then two, because yeah. two's commonly accepted to be the worst one. Oh, it's all um, yeah. Two, I honestly, I haven't revisited it. I haven't gone back to revisit it at all. Uh, it's so incoherent. It's <laughs> well, yeah. well, in that case, so am I. So maybe yeah. I'll go back and recognise a kindred spirit. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not a million miles away from that ranking myself. But I, honestly, the first one is a bit of a, a bit of a rogue nation itself for me. And that I, I love the first one so mm, much. So do I. But it's so different from the, yes. the from the Macquarie trilogy that it, it sometimes feels like a bit of an outlier. Like where does it go? Is it you know? It could be the fourth best. It could be the third best. But for me, it's Fallout, and then probably. Probably, well, maybe Rogue Nation, then maybe this one. Mm. But again, it's very, very tight. There's like a very cigarette tight. paper's width between mm. them. Um, and then the first one, and then the Ghost Protocol for me, mm. and then three, and then a long gap to two. Yeah. I mean, I, I did think about that with three and Ghost Protocol as well, but I just had to have three over Ghost Protocol just for Philip Seymour Hoffman alone, just being a oh. incredible villain. And Ghost Protocol having a very dull villain, and that ending is just being really annoying with you've got Renner floating on magnets while Tom Cruise is having CGI cars thrown at him <laughs> it just gets on my nerves so again I don't hate it it's just I think I like three more just because the villain's better three is a great villain three may be the best villain of the franchise actually yeah, I, I still so. love the twist with Phelps oh. uh, before he goes back to the old wild west yeah exactly um, yeah. yeah I think that's great but uh, you know, two. I was talking about this on Twitter the other day with mm. someone. Two could be the most culturally significant because two obviously was meant to have two. Two was massively delayed. <laughs> Started you mean to go on with the Mission Impossible franchise? Mm-hmm. Uh, there were huge production delays, and as I'm sure many people know, listening to this, Dougray Scott yeah. was was cast as Wolverine in mm. X Men and was meant to go on and play that, but then couldn't because of the overruns on Mission Impossible 2. Hmm. And so they cast Hugh Jackman at the very, very last minute. And you could make a case that we wouldn't be where we are. I saw you railing against Deadpool 3 today uh, on Twitter. Hmm. Um, We wouldn't be where we are if Dougray Scott plays Wolverine in that movie. Yeah, that's true. And so also, you could you could argue that, that Mission Impossible Two is the most culturally significant movie of the last thirty years. You could also argue that Mission Impossible hates comic book movies because Fallout <laughs> killed the Justice League <laughs> and basically slit the throat of the uh, Snyderverse. So don't fuck with Tom Cruise and the Mission Impossible franchise. Yeah, that's it. He'll mm. get you. He'll yeah. get you. He'll That's give you a, a thoroughly decent Wolverine and he'll also get rid of the Snyderverse. So maybe this should be applauded. <laughs> and on that bombshell... We'll come, we'll, we'll come back we'll do this for Deadpool 3 next yeah. year, right? Yeah, all right. Yeah. I'll probably end up seeing <laughs> Deadpool 3. It's just everything I've seen come out about it. I'm just like, oh, God, no. It's like, they're going to bring back Electra. It's like, oh, great, we're bringing that thing back no one liked. Brilliant. <laughs> they're going to bring back Ben Affleck's Daredevil. Oh, great. I believe they are. Yeah, Why? I believe they are. Why? <laughs> Just tell your own stories. I'm, I'm getting, you know, this thing now. I mean, I, I am, as you, you've known me for a while, I'm a sucker for all this stuff, you know. Yeah. But I've reached you've my a book point. about it. I've written a book about it, but I've reached the point now where I'm just like, you know, as much as I enjoyed the new Indiana Jones film, I was like, oh, can't we just have new things? Because watching an eight-year-old man, as beloved as he is, it just wasn't as fun as it could have been if it wasn't an 80-year-old man, you know? Tr- yes, true, true. But I get that. That's a different and story. I, that's a different story, and I, I'm all for original 
stories as well. But mm. um, when you get a movie as good as this one, yeah, then I think I think those those concerns fall by the wayside somewhat. Mm. Uh, and I also feel that you know we don't have time right now, but. In terms of <clears throat> things like the multiverse and things like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and other cinematic universes are available, of course. Mm. You know, I think that there are interesting avenues to mine, and I think things like Spider-Man: No Way Home showed that there is you you can you can tell a story set in the multiverse and have a conversation with past movies and do it in a very interesting and emotionally engaging way. And then you get something like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, where it is literally just fan service for the sake of it, yeah. and it feels a little bit empty and hollow. Mm. I think there is, if we go down that route, more more than the first route, then I think the the whole thing, the whole shebang, may be in trouble. But mm. fingers crossed. I'm a little bit more optimistic about Deadpool three than than you are. But mm. uh, but then again, but then again, know, I was me. I was dead against the idea of Flash based on the trailers, and I went to see it. And CG aside, which is you know I don't want to have a go. At, CG mm. people because they're probably literally got a muzzle of a gun in the back of their head all the time. Yeah. Um, but CG side, it wasn't it wasn't that bad really. Could have been a lot worse. No, I liked it. Yeah, yeah I gave I gave it I gave it four. I mean, it's a it's a it's a low four. Um, mm. I should I should qualify that, <laughs> but yeah. but you know you, uh, I qualify it as low four. But people would just look at it and go four stars. Uh, what are you thinking, you idiot? But mm. you know, I thought that it did some interesting things, and um, I like the director. You know, I thought, yeah, I think mm. he's good, and he's. I don't think they're blaming him. No. I don't think they're blaming the Flash on him. I think he's no. been given another Batman movie to, he is to getting, direct, and he's getting brave in the bold. Yeah, so mm. fingers crossed that'll be good. Um, mm. But uh, but yeah, by and large, I think yeah, I can see that there's a there's a kind of um, you know eating his own tail, Ouroboros mm-hmm. type situation going on here. But I think if you can do it with a little bit of uh, a little bit of an invention. A little bit of emotional engagement, I think, will be fine. I agree. And on that bombshell, I'll say thank you so much, Chris Hewitt. Thank you, John Rain. And I'll see you next year for part two. Oh, so excited. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
it. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.